of like is what was dealing with covetousness this morning. If you understand that there is a, there's two sides to it. There's a side of quit coveting all this garbage, but hey, covet spiritual gifts. And also, you're allowed to desire things and work for them. Well, see, if you want the truth, you'll bear that stuff in mind. You'll bear that stuff in mind. You sure will. And so if you're looking to get offended, and this is for the benefit of those that are here and those that might be listening in the future or even this morning, if you're looking to get offended, you're going to get offended. And all I can tell you is get right with God and just lump it. I don't know. I hope you get right with God. I hope you get it straightened out. But, uh, you know, if you think I'm preaching to you, there's a reason that you think that. Because I am. <laughs> I'm not prejudiced. That's right. We're not, we're not going to preach to, uh, we're not going to just preach to isolated individuals, preach to everybody. And the Holy Spirit has this, has this ability to take what's preached and apply it to people's hearts. And hey, man, if, 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 he, if, he, if the shoe fits, if it got shoved in your heart this morning, do business with the Lord. Amen. Amen. So anyways, just wanted to throw that out there this morning. All right. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, one of the, today starts May's Mother's Day Madness. I mean, marathon, something, I don't know. But we're going to preach about mothers. We're going to preach to mothers about mothers for the next couple of Sundays. And then in June, we're going to preach to the fathers. And I'm looking forward more to June than anything. Because I've preached to ladies several times from this pulpit. But I ain't never really took a pot shot at the fellas. And it's about time we get them. Yeah. Amen. We need some lumps. So we, we, I'm looking forward to the preaching to June, but we're not there yet. We're in May, so we're going to preach to the mothers this morning. And let me just say, today is not Mother's Day. I don't know why I got a timer going on, but today's not Mother's Day. But let me just say, because it is May, I appreciate my mama. I appreciate my mother. My mother basically taught me to read. That, that didn't come from no school. I, I was homeschooled. And everybody makes jokes and says that homeschoolers are dumb and blah, blah, blah. I, as far as education goes, I think I've got one of the best educations ever. And I got that from my mama. I got, my, daddy, my daddy did a lot when it came to science and math. But when it came to reading, I remember sitting over in that trailer that used to be sitting there. I think it was a double wide, the parsonage. And my, I remember distinctly my mama coming in there with these phonics charts and phonics tapes and making me sit down and listen to it and read it out loud in my bedroom. Sit there for 20 minutes at a time, which for a kid seems like eternity. And listen, because I'm able to read, I'm able to read well. I can read very well. I can take a good stab in the dark at words that I've never seen before. That's, for, that's largely because of my mama. It's largely because of my mama, and I thank God for that. Much, much of just about everything that I do relates to English as far as what I do for a living, as far as my, my vocation, so to speak, preaching. It has to do with reading. It has to do with understanding what's written. My mama had a big part in that. Thank God for my mama. I thank God for my mama. Anyways, First Peter chapter 3 and I hope, I hope you're thankful for you, Mama. And I will say this, I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for the mother of my children. God have mercy on my kids if my, if my wife wasn't around. My kids would be some of the meanest people you've ever seen in your life. Really, of course, they're not too nice now. 
What y'all get so quiet for, man? Y'all make me think that my kids are mean. Y'all better be nice. Where's Ezra? Oh, don't you go to sleep, man. Anyways, but, but my kids, my kids would be just mean and just rude and nasty. That'd be my fault. But my, my wife has really done a great blessing in raising my kids, helping me raise my children. I appreciate her. I appreciate them. I appreciate them. appreciate all the mothers that are here. You're not my mama. You're not my children's mother, but I appreciate you. Let me just say you got a distinct place in this church. You really do. You have a very distinct place. I think some of you ladies, I'm rambling a little bit, but let me just take a little bit of time. I think some of you ladies think that you don't really have a significant place in this church, and you do. And what I hope through the course of these sermons is I hope you see maybe some places where you can improve in your life, but I also hope you see what God can use you to do in relation to your kids. One of the people, Lord willing, that we're going to talk about is uh, Hannah, Samuel's mother. God got to a place in, I believe it was in Ezekiel, might have been in Jeremiah, to where he said, though Noah and Samuel stood before me, he said, I couldn't ignore the wickedness of this people. Now, you're looking at that verse isolated, and you don't really understand what it's saying, but God's saying, children of Israel and Judah have gotten so wicked, he said, if, that if you took two of the most righteous men that ever lived and put them before me, he said, I couldn't ignore the wickedness of this people. That's a high compliment about Noah and Samuel. You know what Samuel's a product of? A praying mama. She was barren, of which there's five ladies in the Bible that was barren. And every single one of those ladies, God came to them and said, you're going to have a boy, or God let them have a, a child. And every single one of those children grew up to be something big. You got a distinct place, mama. You got a distinct place. So this morning, what I want to preach to you about <clears throat> is holy women. If my voice will hold out, I want to preach to you about holy women. And I want to kind of put a little bit of emphasis, not kind of, I want to put a little emphasis, or a lot of emphasis, rather, on your place as a wife, on your place as a wife. Listen, you can be the most successful mother as far as what you estimate to be a successful mother, but if you fail at being a wife, if you fail at being a wife, motherhood kind of just falls through the cracks. And listen, let me tell you something. You can be a successful wife, you can be a successful mother, even if your husband's an idiot. Yes, sir. You can be a successful mother. You can be a successful wife, even if your husband is a fool. There's been several of them before you. There will be several of them after you. There will be several ladies who have just pulled themselves up by, the, by their bootstraps. Not ideal situation, but it can work, and you can make it work. You can, you can do it through the help of the Holy Ghost, but you're going to have to have some fortitude in your heart. You're going to have to have some tenacity. Uh, one of the things that really bothers me, really eats my lunch about this modern generation, people my age, women my age, one of the things that really eats my lunch is the weak-mindedness of ladies. You can almost feel the air being sucked out of the... Brother Nathan, women are supposed to be weak. That's not what the verse says. They're the weaker vessel. Weaker than who? Obviously, they're husbands. That doesn't mean that you have to be a sissy or a coward or weak. You're just not as strong as he is. Okay, we understand that. 
But why take a victim mentality and just roll over to everything that comes to you in life? That's what a lot of girls are doing. Girls, that's what a lot of girls are doing. Everything that comes up in life, they're a victim. Quit. Just, you're going you're gonna to have to get some gusto. You're going to have to get some grit. Hard things have happened to ladies before you. Hard things are going to happen to gals after you. You're going to have to push through it. You don't have to be a sissy. You don't have to be a little girl about everything. A lot of girls are living in this mentality. A lot of women, grown women, are living in this mentality of I'm a 12-year-old girl and I've got to have daddy take care of me. You give your husbands a lot of, a lot of flack for marrying their mother or who they thought was their mother. Don't you? He just expects me to be his mother. He expects me to do his dishes and wash his clothes. Uh, okay. Well, how about you quit expecting him to be your daddy? It goes both ways. Praise the Lord, man. It's true. You, you're going to have to step up and fulfill your role as a wife, as a mother, as a lady. You turn over there to Proverbs chapter 31 and... That lady over there, she wasn't no coward. I'd be, afraid to, I'd be afraid to tussle with her. I'd be afraid to make her a little upset. I'm not sure what she'd be capable of. Take that spindle and bury it in my spine or something. I'm not sure. Right? Okay, she's a hard-working woman. Well, now you run up against... Uh, listen, I don't, I don't know what y'all are in such shock for, but I'm, I'm going I'm to plow for a little bit here, whether you like it or not. Uh, now you run up against gals and you go out and try and find a wife. She don't even know how to make breakfast or dinner. I, I really wasn't in the market for this when I married my wife, but you run up against gals don't don't have an idea of how to patch a hole in their clothes. Don't know how to hem any garments. I was surprised to death, and I don't know why I was surprised. Heidi, after we got married, some point something took place, and she had to sew something. I, you know how to sew? And she all, what do you mean do I know how to sew? <laughs> Got mad at me for asking. Hey, girls, ladies, do you know how to sew? Listen, you older ladies, I mean no disrespect by this, but the, the generation of these older ladies to where the girls are at my age, the gap of understanding and knowledge of how to be a woman, that gap is so enormous that I'm not sure what it's going to take to span that gap anymore. We, we're living in an age, we're living in a day where the challenges of being a wife, of being a mother, of being a female are so enormous. <clears throat> That's stuff that these older ladies didn't have to deal with. Don't, don't have to worry about sitting down at your house and cruising Facebook all day. Uh, now you've got, you got 30, 40-year-old women who that's all they do. That's a shame. That's not being a wife. That's not being a mother. That's not being a lady. That's not being who God intended for you to be. That's right. And so you're going to have to, you're going to have to, Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Right? You understand that? Okay, well, some of you didn't have parents that whooped that out of you. 
So now you're going to have to whoop it out of yourself, so to speak. That's tough. Some of, you, some of you had parents that did the very best that they knew how to do, but it still wasn't enough. Okay, you're still going to have to whoop that out of you. You're going to have to get out of this mindset of running back to mama and daddy. Ladies, I'm talking to the ladies this morning. Don't worry, fellas, we'll get to you. We'll get to you, fellas. But ladies, you're going to have to get out of this mentality of every time things get hard or every time you, you're an emotional basket case, got to run back to mama and daddy. That's why God gave you a husband. That's right. That's right. Not trying to hurt your feelings, but if it hurts your feelings, get right with the Lord. Get right. I'm trying to help you this morning. I really, really have it in my heart to try and help you this morning. So let's read a little bit and get moving with the text. 1 Peter 3, verse 1, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the t old time, the holy women also, that's what I want to preach about this morning, holy women, for after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God. That's quite a statement about holy women. They trusted in God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's have an invitation. Do you trust in the Lord, ladies? What about, what about in regards to your boneheaded husband? of which all husbands are boneheaded at least at some point during their marriage. <laughs> Ain't that right? Can I hear an amen from the ladies? Well, that's right. Can you trust the Lord? Mm -hmm. Who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. That will be the expectation from now on from every husband that goes home after this message. Lord is my name. Okay, maybe not. But whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. All right, Lord, we do thank you for this morning. God, thank you for the good spirit that's been here thus far. And I pray, God, Lord, that you'd have your will and way this morning. God, pray that you'd bless these ladies. God, thank you for each and every one of them. Lord, I thank you especially for my wife. And I thank you, Lord, for my mother. And God, I thank you for my mother-in-law. Lord, we joke a lot, Lord, about making mother-in-law jokes. But, God, I, Lord, I feel like I have one of the best mother-in-laws, Lord, that a, a fellow could ask for. I thank you for them. Thank you for my in-laws. Thank you, God, for my family. Pray that you'd bless them this morning. Help them, God. And, Lord, as we take these next couple of Sunday mornings and preach to the ladies, God, I pray you'd give them understanding and help them, God, to figure out how they can get closer to you. Lord, just figure out, Lord, what can I do to draw closer to the Lord Jesus Christ? And pray that you'd help them this morning. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Holy women, holy women. Ladies, do you want to be holy? I mean, do you really want to be holy? I, I hope you do. I hope you do. Listen. This world does not need just another woman. Those are a dime a dozen. 
We can, we can find a woman anywhere. We can find a harlot anywhere. Even if she ain't taking her clothes off. They're everywhere. You, find a, you can find a woman who's willing to compromise herself emotionally. She's willing to compromise herself emotionally to get something out of somebody. That's what a harlot does. They're a dime a dozen, ladies. I hope you want to be holy. I hope your aspiration in life is to find out what kind of a woman does God want me to be? What kind of wife, what kind of mother does God want me to be? And then set your heart on that and just follow the Lord regardless of what your goofy husband does. Listen, I, I laid it to the fellas pretty hard this morning and I made the comment that <clears throat> the exception of the rule is to run into a woman that just is not going to do what her husband says regardless of how he presents it, whatever. She's just boneheaded. That's the exception to the rule. And I believe that. I really do. I believe that those women are few and far between. I believe God put it in the heart of a woman that she wants to please her husband. I believe that. Thy desire shall be to thy husband. Well, that ain't for nothing. That's a protective measure. But in, along those lines, there's something in the heart of a woman that wants to please her husband. And fellas, when you, and fellas, we're, a lot of times we're just emotionally numb. <clears throat> we just live in la-la land when it comes to things. And you, you ignore your wife in a lot of, a lot of ways. And I, I'm guilty of this myself. You ignore your wife in a lot of ways. And then she gets frustrated with you and you're standing around saying, what's your problem? <laughs> you are stupid. <laughs> Talk to her. That helped. Acknowledge her. That would help. Can I hear an amen, ladies? Man, this is not going very well. I'm going to preach anyway. But you see, a lot of the problem, a lot of the problem comes from fellows. But listen, I, I made the comment this morning in Sunday school to get back to the point that the, that the issue a lot of times is just the leadership of the fella. Now let me flip that around and tell you, tell you ladies something. A lot of times, listen, a lot of times your husband's an idiot. I speak from experience. A lot of times I'm an idiot. But you know, a lot of that could be helped if you'd just do the right thing. Just do right. Uh, there's ladies all over this town that have had husbands that were drunkards, had husbands that were abusers, beat, beat their wives. And you know what? God delivered those ladies from that by saving their husbands. You know what those ladies did? Those ladies just hunkered down and did the right thing. Pray for them. God send deliverance. You could do right. You could do right. I'm not saying it wouldn't be tough. God have mercy. I couldn't stand the thought of a fellow beating his wife. That's, that's bad. That's bad. But ladies, you, you could possibly... Put that fella in a situation where God would just grill his hide. You could do that. You have that ability to get along with God, to get somewhere in a place where God would just eat his lunch. The way to do that is not by standing up and putting your finger in his face and chewing him out. I don't know of a fella that would take much of that from another fella. He sure ain't going to take that from no woman. He ain't going to take that. Listen, some of you ladies, if you ever go to work and have a fellow working under you, I advise you, this is just advice, I advise you to be very careful about how you talk to fellows. 
No fella gives a rip about what the laws of the United States are concerned with as far as equal opportunity goes. No fella cares about that if he's got anything that resembles a spine. They just don't care. And so when you go down to the workplace, even though it may be the workplace expectation in a big corporation for that fella to bow down and say yes ma'am and do whatever, if he's got a brain cell working in his head, he ain't going to take that attitude. And by you going down and putting your finger in his face and telling him and giving him the what for, telling him everything that he should do, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not. You're not going to get anywhere. You might get somewhere you think. You might even get the fellow fired. But you're going to make life hard, hard, hard for yourself. That's all that's going to happen. That's all that's going to happen. And so I encourage you, I encourage you, you've got, to, you've got to realize what you're dealing with. You've got to realize the way that God made you, the way that God made you is not to deal with that fellow like another fellow would. The way that God made you is to deal with it differently. You're going to have to deal with it in a particular manner. And that's what's laid out here in 1 Peter chapter 3. And the, and the statement that's made in 1 Peter 3 is that if you deal with it the way that God tells you to deal with it, he says, that's a holy woman. You ever thought about that, what you're, looking here, what you're looking at in 1 Peter chapter 3? You're not looking at a woman who's dealing with a situation where everything is rosy and everything is set in place. You're dealing, in 1 Peter chapter 3, you're dealing with a woman who has an unconverted husband. You can define unconverted however you want, whether he's lost or he's saved and there's something that he's just, he's being hard-headed about. Either way... He's at point A. He needs to get to point B. He ain't there yet. Well, how do you deal with that? Okay, I get and nag on him. No. She's not dealing with a, with a, with a wonderful set of circumstances. She's dealing with, with odds that are against her. And God says, here's the prescription. Here's the manner that you have to deal with that fella if you want to see the right result. The rest is up to you. Now, before we get there, there are some things that you've got to understand of which he lays out in, in, in verse 1. He says, verse 1, Likewise, ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands. Well, likewise what? Well, it's a continuation of what was in the end of chapter 2. What's in the end of chapter 2? Verse 21, 221. For even hereunto were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Well, what's his example? Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Here's Jesus Christ getting ready to go to Calvary, and everybody's making fun of him. They're reviling. They're they're, they're saying everything that's wicked and wrong and not true about him, and he takes it. And he says in verse chapter 3, verse 1, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Do we need to have an altar call? That's tall order. That's a tall order. That's not a justification for a fella to be a moron. That's not a justification for a fellow to take advantage of that attitude in his wife. God help you if, you take it, if your wife is that way and you take advantage of that. God help you to the same degree if you take advantage of your wife that way. 
God help you in the same manner as if you took advantage of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he bore for your sins. Here's a, here's a man, Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. He takes on the form of a servant, humbles himself even unto death, even the death of the cross. God exalts him. Here's a woman who humbles herself. Lets herself be ridiculed by her stupid husband. Like Abigail was ridiculed by Nabal, no doubt. She humbles herself. Fella takes advantage of that in his wife. God's fixing a knock, a knot on your head. Mm-hmm. Likewise, you wives, humble, you, likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Listen, ladies, it's not your responsibility to be in subjection to the other wife's husband. You ladies that are sitting in here, I'm glad you're here. Man, I'm, I'm glad to have you as part of this church. In a sense, it, 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 not in a sense, it's not your responsibility to be subject to me. I'm not your husband. It's your responsibility to be in subjection to, to your husband. Likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands. Listen, it's not a challenge for you to be in subjection to me. You ladies that are sitting here, that wouldn't be much of a challenge. It might be hard for some of you just because of your personality. That's not very hard. You know why it wouldn't be hard? You don't know me. You know why it's so difficult to be in subjection to your husband? You know him. He's an idiot. Can I hear an amen? At least I got one amen. Maybe y'all are in disagreement with me because you really have a high opinion of your husband. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I hope that's the case. But you know the stuff that you deal with out of him. And so that's the person that God said, hey, you're going to have to learn to be in subjection to him. You know what that's going to require? It's going to require the same strength. It's going to require the same nature. It's going to require the same amount of sacrifice that it was required that it required out of Jesus Christ to go to Calvary. What's, what it's going to take out of you to be subject to that fool that you're married to? We can talk about, we can ridicule you and say, you're the idiot that married him. I, I get that, but you didn't know what you was getting into when you, when you was courting him. Can I hear an amen, ladies? You didn't know. You didn't know. You married to him for five or eight years. Now you know. Why, this was so stupid. I should have stayed at home with daddy. Okay. Well, it's going to, to be in subject, in subjection to that fool, it's going to require the same thing that it required out of Jesus Christ to be subject to the will of the Father when all the rest of these people were ridiculing him and mocking him and he was suffering wrongfully. Some of you ladies, you suffer foolishness out of your husband of your own doing. You still got it good, don't you? In that respect. Listen, you, in being in subjection to your own husband, you have, ladies, listen to me, you have the ability to display the character and nature of the Lord Jesus Christ in a way that other folks don't. Just by being in subjection to your husband. You say, How? Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who's that? God the Father. Jesus Christ got all these idiots standing around him, making fun of him. And the Lord, in it, in the Lord Jesus, in his mind, he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. 
God knows. God knows. I'm going to let God handle it. I'm going to let God take care of it. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. But you want to know something that a woman, fellas, you want to know something that a woman struggles with? Vengeance. Holding grudges. God have mercy. You want to split a church? Let some of the ladies get mad at each other. I don't know if something that will split a church faster than that. Hallelujah. That's a God's honest, honest truth. You let two fellows go outside and duke it out and be upset with each other, of which I thought was going to happen here a time or two. <laughs> of course, it might have needed to happen. I'm not sure. But you, you let two fellows do that, go home and go do their stuff during the week, come back on Wednesday night, and they'll, for the most part, be over it. You let two ladies have an interaction like that, just, just a slight disagreement. Oh, my soul. Three years later, we're still dealing with the same garbage. Grow up. Grow up. You know why, you know why that ha takes place? Because that's how you deal with your husband. Nobody cares that you got your feelings hurt. No, no, nobody cares. Sorry. Maybe your husband does because you got him impacted. Only place he can roost is on the bedpost at night. Wake that's your alarm clock in the morning, ain't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. I feel like preaching a little bit today. <clears throat> Be in subjection to your own husbands, ladies. I'm telling you, man, you've got the opportunity for God to take your life. Listen, can let me back up and say this. How much did God take the life of Jesus Christ and use that? Used it quite a bit, didn't he? Delivered your soul, didn't it? Think about what kind of deliverance God could use your life to work if you'd subject yourself to the long tongue of that foolish husband that you're married to. Whether he's foolish or not, I'm not really arguing that because I'm going to just get on your side for a little bit this morning and just take it for granted. He's an idiot. Okay, subject yourself to him. Trust the Lord. That's not what you want to do though, is it? You know how I know that? Because that's me. I don't want to trust the Lord on nothing. But that's what a holy woman is. I'm not trying to be a holy woman. I am trying to be a holy man. But you know what he says in verse 5? He said, for after this manner in the old time, in the old time, the old time. It's that old time way. You want to talk about old time religion? Well, here it is. The holy women also who trusted in God. Give me that old time religion. Okay, shut your mouth and trust the Lord. Mm -hmm. Likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word. Let me, read, let me go back and reread that again on how most wives read it. That if any obey not their wives. That's not what it says, is it? That if any, obey, if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. So, listen, there's a possibility. There's a possibility that your husband's a moron. And, but listen, the thing that makes him a moron is not that he's not doing what you want him to do. That's not the thing that makes him a fool. 
That's not the thing that makes him not right with God. If he doesn't do what you want him to do, he might be wrong with God. He might be right with God. It has nothing to do with whether or not he does what makes you happy. <laughs> That's not what makes it right. Is he in line with what the Word says? Is he in line with what God says? You know what a lot of ladies do in regards to 1, Corinthians or 1 Peter chapter 3? They approach this passage trying to use it as a crowbar to get what they want out of their husbands. Well, I know if I'll just pray and if I'll just trust the Lord, God will deal with his heart and bring him around to see, the, see it the way that he needs to see it, which is translated as, he'll see it my way. No, no, that's not what 1 Peter 3 says. 1 Peter 3 says... Here's a prescription for you getting him to see things God's way. The reason that your husband a lot of times doesn't see things the way that you hope him to see it is because your point of view is stupid. Let me say that again. The reason that your husband does not see things the way that you want him to see them is because a lot of times your point of view is just as dumb as his. Did I say that with enough expression? It's just stupid. He wants to paint the house tan and I want to paint it blue. Who cares? I want the carpet green and he wants it tan. Who cares? He wants to go to Burger King and I want to go to Thai Smile. Who cares? We're not talking about your personal preferences. We're talking about is the guy in line with God. If you want to get the fella, if you want God to put pressure on him so that the fella gets right with God, so he gets his relationship with God, so he gets his fellowship with God taken care of, here's how it is. If it's anything different than that, if it's outside of what God says, that's stuff that you and him are going to have to figure out. At that point, it's your word against his, his word against yours. Which there are other things in the Bible to talk about that, but we're not talking about that this morning. You're not going to use 1 Peter chapter 3 as a method to come up against your husband and say, here's my rabbit's foot. You're going to have to do what God tells you to do, and God wants you to do this. No, no, shut your mouth. Let God deal with him. It's not about what you want, ladies. It's about what the Lord wants. Now listen, you get in the Bible and say, mm, mm, he's not doing that right. So you get down and you get on your knees and say, Lord, I know he's not doing this right. It's a little bit foolish. It's a lot foolish. This is really going to hurt us. God, help me to subject myself to him. And Lord, I pray you deal with his heart. Leave it alone. God will turn up the heat. And that fellow will start looking around saying, what in the world is going on? Listen, ladies, your husband has the ability to wander around in darkness. He's got the ability to wander around in darkness, and he'll stay that way if some of you ladies don't get involved. You say, why? Because he's that stupid. He's that hard-headed. I speak from experience. It's just, it just foolish. just makes stupid decisions. Okay, well, the way to handle that is get down on your knees and start praying and just trust God to deal with it. Well, when should I say something? 
Never. There may come a point where you need to say something, but I'm going to tell you this morning, for the time being, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. I don't know what y'all season up so bad for. Just, it's okay. It's okay. We're not going to kill anybody this morning. I promise. You might think you're dying, but you're not. You'd be okay. If any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. You're going to have to subject yourself. Just your subjection, listen, your subjection can have an effect on his obedience. Quit trying to win him over to your point of view. Now listen, he said, if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times what's going on is these ladies will subject themselves to their husbands. Sometimes what may happen, I should say, is you'll subject yourself to your husband. But at the same time, while you're subjecting yourself to your husband, you don't have any chaste conversation. You know what chastity is? It's purity. It's undefilement. It's cleanliness. We talk about that in, relations to the, in relation to the marriage bed, but I believe it goes a little bit further than that. Listen, ladies, 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 can, will you listen to me this morning? You are not, you are not going to be able to subject, quote unquote, subject yourself to your husband and then hang out on Facebook for eight hours a day or two hours a day while you got all the rest of this stuff at home that needs to be done. And listen, you can lump that if you want to. You can get upset with me about that. But I don't know of any fellow that's going to have much respect for his wife if he comes home and the house is a disaster. You, you get upset about that if you want and call me a, a sexist if you want. Call me whatever you want to say. But all I'm telling you is when the husband comes home after working eight to ten hours and things aren't right at home, he's going to be upset. Well, he doesn't know how hard I've got it. You don't know how hard he's got it. You're not down there working like he's working. I understand. We get to the fellas, ladies. We'll get to the fellas. I understand that he takes it for granted that you get to stay at home all day and he doesn't realize the idiot kids that you've got to deal with, which they're blessing, by the way. They are. They're blessing. And we'll get to that here in a couple of weeks. But listen, I understand that he takes that stuff for granted. But listen, lady, you don't know what he's dealing with. Just the same way you don't know what he's dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Keep, keep staying quiet. We're going to stay here for a, you. A dirty look's twice as good as an amen to me. That's right, man. I'm telling you. He, you're not going to have much respect. You don't have, you don't have stuff in order at the house. You can be in subjection to your husband all day long. You can be in subjection to him all day long. But if you ain't got things in order at the house, you can forget about God putting pressure on him. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Paul said, listen, I can do X, Y, Z. It's so wonderful. It's so big. It's so great. But if my character, if my spiritual development is not there, that stuff is going, all that stuff that I can do, it's not going to carry any weight. And so you sit here and you subject yourself to your husband. You're doing something that's big. That's big. Subjecting yourself to your husband, that's a big deal, ladies. 
but you don't have the character. You don't have the spiritual development. And so your subjection carries no weight. Just empty. You say, you're making it awkward by staying silent. No, you're making it awkward by not saying amen. (laughs) You're letting it be quiet. I'm just giving you ample opportunity to say, praise the Lord. Good preaching. Good preaching. It's true. It's true, ladies. It's true, ladies. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Just chew on that for a little while. Now, look in verse 3. He says, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. So he talks about the adorning that a, that a woman is supposed to have in regards to this subjection to her husband. And he said it's not supposed to be the stuff that's listed on the outside. It's not supposed to be the stuff that's laid out here for everybody else to see. He said there's supposed to be something deep down in the heart. There's something to be about your spirit, about your attitude, about your aspect, looking at life. There's something about that that's supposed to be right. Listen, ladies, let me deal very gently and delicately with this, but as bluntly as I can in the, in the realm of being gentle in regards to this. You have a couple of kids. Things are not what they used to be before you had kids. That's understandable. But if from the point you get married until after you have those children, there's been no development and no growth of your attitude There's been no humility. There's been no sweetening. There's been no humility. There's been no something. There's been nothing in your heart that's changed, that's made you a more wonderful woman to be around. Something is wrong. He said the adorning that you're supposed to have is not putting on of gold. It's not having that bottle glass figure. Brother Renee Myers, he was married to Miss Carol uh, Myers, who has since passed away. She had cirrhosis of the liver, never drank a day in her life. I think she'd been hitting the bottle a little bit. If you'd known Miss Carol, Miss Carol was a very interesting individual, loved animals. if, If it was left up to her, God could take the whole creation and put it in her house and she'd be fine. She just loved animals. But anyways... Brother, Brother Renee said one day during Sunday school when we was up there, he said, what used to be a Coke, Coke glass bottle figure turned into a two liter. So he said that, not me. But that stuff takes place. That stuff takes place with the passing of time. But listen, what about the heart? What about that heart? What about your attitude? Hmm? What about your attitude, ladies? He said, who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair. Braid your hair. Put them nice bows in your hair. And listen, that's wonderful. It's wonderful, ladies. Take care of yourself. Look good. Look good for your husband. Look good for your husband. Your husband. Amen. I don't think I need to belabor that anymore, but look good for your husband. 
Anyways, who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plating of hair and wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be that hidden man of the heart in that which is not. Listen, ladies, when you got up for church this morning, did you spend more time preparing your face than you did your heart? When you get up in the morning, do you spend more time in your daily devotions with the Lord than you spend in time getting clothes on and putting everything where it needs to go, putting your mascara? What's it like, ladies? I'll tell you what, that tells you where your emphasis is. Tell you where your emphasis is. Now, there's some ladies that will use that as as an excuse to put on jogging pants and a T-shirt. It'll take me five minutes, so that means I only got to spend ten minutes in my Bible reading. No, 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 no. You need to be preparing that heart. Listen, you can take a lady. Listen, ladies, let me let you in on a little secret. And some of your husbands might disagree with me on this, but I'll tell you this. It's much easier to deal with a woman who is not hmm, all that physically attractive, but boy, she's got sweet attitude. It's much easier to deal with that lady than with a woman that's beautiful and is just a jerk. You folks have known them. Pretty good looking. Man, that's an attractive lady. Lord God, every time she opens her mouth, it's like a fire-breathing dragon. What's wrong? Are you really that upset at life? Do us a favor. And I'll leave that blank because I can't tell you what you should do. (laughs) Do something. I'll be incriminating myself as a pastor giving you that bad advice. I mean, if life is really that bad, ladies, I mean, if, if all you've got to do is complain about everything that's wrong with you, what? don't commit suicide, but why are you living? Let your husband collect insurance money. <laughs> they got an insurance policy, fellas. Really? That. That, there ain't no sense in all that stuff. What about that hidden, hidden man of the heart? What about it? Are, listen, are you more concerned about what people think of you than what God thinks about you? Come to church and you look so nice, you look so pretty. Praise the Lord, all, all the other ladies and all the other fellows look at you. Man, what a, what a pleasant lady. She's got everything put together. And then let them go home with you for five minutes and have them to listen to you rail on your kids and rail on your husband and whine about how your husband hasn't done this for you. You want to talk about God getting a hold of your husband? What about God getting a hold of you? I want, listen, I want God to get a hold of your husband too. I want God to get a hold of me. But that's not going to happen if I have to go home and listen to a woman whine and complain all the time. My mind's going to be more occupied with what's an excuse to get down to the hunting club so I don't have to listen to this brawling woman? How can I figure out to get on the rooftop? How about ladies? Ladies, what about that hidden man of the heart? You know what that is? That's God making a man out of you. <laughs> man, y'all bad. This is bad. I, I don't know. I thought it was funny. <clears throat> Hidden man of the heart. You get it? Okay. All right. All right. That's right. That's the Lord making a man out of you. 
Anyways, that's for all you fellas that believe that God's going to make everybody men in heaven. I'm going to be mad at the Lord if that takes place. I'm, I'm with Brother Mike on that. I'm going to be real upset with the Lord. But listen, there's something inside that can be right, and there's something inside that can be wrong. And listen, if it's wrong on the inside, ladies, it doesn't matter how good-looking you are. I don't think any fella in here would want a woman that doesn't take care of herself on the outside. But listen, I believe, all these fellas sitting in here, I believe these fellas, and you fellas listening at home, you ladies listening at home, I believe that if you'd get your heart taken right, your, fella, your husbands could deal with what's on the outside a lot easier. That's right, man. Hey, get your heart, get your attitude right. Get your heart right with the Lord. Get your heart right with the Lord. He said, listen, he said, let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible. The Bible talks about Jesus Christ himself talked about where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. You know what's wrong with a lot of ladies? All of the beauty that they have, if a thief came in, he'd take it all away. You say, why? Because it's sitting around their vanity. That's all the beauty they got. Somebody come in and steal away. Listen, listen, the thing that we have different between us and the Catholics is that you take away a Catholic's rosary, you take away his priest, you take away his church, you take away all of his, you take away his, his communion, that little wafer and the wine, he ain't got no salvation. Listen, you can take away all that stuff from us, we're still saved. Some of these ladies, on the same token, you take away their makeup, you take away their mascara. I'm not telling you that there's anything wrong with that stuff in moderation. But you take away all that stuff, they cease to be ladies. There's nothing else that makes them ladies. You say, what makes a woman that meek and quiet spirit? Listen, ladies, meekness is not weakness. I'm not take you to a passage and show you something here in just a second about meekness. But meekness is not weakness. I'm not telling you to be a victim. I'm telling you the opposite. See, your strength, ladies, your strength is not in big biceps. You understand that? Your strength is not in your hard-headedness. Your strength is in that humility, it's in that submission, and it's in that, hey, I'm going to just go on and do right regardless of whether my husband does right or not. I'm going to do right, and then trust God. Trust God to put the pressure on. That's a holy woman. That's a holy woman. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Meek in the dictionary means mild of temper. Mild of temper. You know, you get your hot sauce or your salsa, you got mild, medium, and hot. Some ladies' tempers are hot. Some of it is just scalding. Listen, ladies, let me let you in on a little secret. When your children, when you call your children and your children come to you like this, there is something bad wrong. Right? When your children make their way towards you and they're wincing, you've got a problem. It's bad if a husband does that. It's bad if a daddy does that. That's bad. You need to be taken out and whooped. But if you're a mother and you're doing that, you need to be whooped twice. Like it or lump it, that's the God's honest truth. That's not the place, that's not what children should remember. Now listen, 
Listen to me. Mother's Day month is this month, so I'm going to talk, Lord willing, going to talk a lot about my mother. When we was growing up, I was afraid of my mama. Let me, let me throw this out there for you ladies. <clears throat> when my mother got on to us, when we were living out at 3R Fish Camp, is basically where we lived. We lived out there on three acres. My mother never had to tell, rarely, I take that back, I do remember two instances where my mother told us, wait until your daddy got, gets home. Two instances. You know what she did the rest of the time? She handled it. Two things about that. Number one, we did what she, what she said. You know why your children don't do what you tell them to do? It's because you keep saying, wait until your daddy gets home. They're not afraid of you. The other thing about that is, is that when she whooped us, we never got to a place to where we were afraid to come to her. She whooped us. Lord have mercy. I thought we was dying. Lord have mercy. Me and my brother got in a fight one time. And uh, I took a belt with a belt buckle and wrapped it around his legs. Lord have mercy. I wish I'd have never done that. Mama got a hold of me. But you know what? Mama presented that thing in a way to where I was crying while it was going on. But afterwards, I was ready to get right with her. How about it, ladies? Not telling you not to discipline your kids, but if you present that thing to where after that takes place, all they know is, why would they want to come and get right with you? Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Are you letting it be so quiet so I'll just take advantage of, of the Spirit? Amen. Amen. Mild of temper. How about just having some mildness to you? Soft. 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 Impressionable. You know, when your kids cry a little bit, when your kids get a little bit upset, it's, it's sensible as a daddy to sit back and huh, break your heart. But you know what? That's a particular aspect of a mama. That softness. Mm -hmm. Gentleness. Gentleness. Not easily provoked or irritated. How much does it take to get you riled up, ladies? We're talking about meekness. This is the spirit with which you're supposed to be uh, adorned. Meekness, not easily provoked or irritated. How much does it take to get you riled up, gals? One little cross word out of your kids? One little cross word out of your husband? Hey, you deal with a husband that's an idiot? Fellas, you deserve whatever you get back. But at the same time, just one word? Mm -hmm. Where's your meekness? Where's your meekness? Where's your meekness? Yielding. That's meekness. Yielding. Okay, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I told you I was going to ride you hard this morning, ladies. I'll tell you, this age that we're in the middle of, I have never, of course, I'm not very old, but I don't remember girls being this hard-headed like I'm seeing now. Just brassy, you ain't going to tell me what to do, then who's going to? I feel sorry for a lot of fellows that get tied up with these ladies. Man, unyielding. 
Listen, you want your, you want your children to yield to you. Well, why should they if you're not yielding to anybody? You want to know where all of this mouthiness is coming from out of your kids? It's coming from you ladies when you're mouthing off to your husbands. You, you're teaching them that. You're leading by example. Yield. David Wood, Brother Mark's uh, former pastor, was up on a roof one time and he had two young fellas helping him and they were throwing shingles up on the roof to him and he was grabbing them and piling them up on the roof and he said they got in a little spat and he said it, it sounded like two little women, two little girls down there on the, on the ground. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. And he said he finally leaned over the edge of the roof and said, Hey, yield! You and your husband, hey, just shut up and yield. All it takes is for one of you to do that. Just yield, please. <laughs> for the sanity of your children. What you're teaching is you're teaching your kids to be hard-headed knotheads. So they come down to the church and they sit down in the church and they listen to the preacher when they turn 16 and 17 years old and now they can't listen to the preacher say nothing. Go home and eat him alive. I'm not talking about mama and daddy. I'm talking about the kids. Go home and eat him alive. Why? Because that's what they've been hearing mama do. You say you can't, you can't tell that that's going on. Oh, yes, you can. Stand up here and preach something to where you're preaching something to where you know that, or at least you suspect that the kid's not guilty of anything, but the kid still can't make eye contact. You say, what's going on? Mama's been having the preacher for lunch. At least, I don't know what else it could be. Okay, and so now what's going to visit your house is when you lay down the rules, Mama, that kid's not going to do what you say. You reap what you sow. The reason that takes place is because God is not mocked. You're not going to make fun of the Lord. You're not going to mock Him. And boy, when them, when them roosters come home to roost, that's going to break people's heart. It's going to break my heart. It's going to break the hearts of the people sitting in here around you. It's going to break people's hearts. But we can't stop it. You've been sowing those seeds for the last 15 years. And then you're going to come down to the preacher and say, how come you didn't do anything to help my kids? How could I? I've been trying to do something for the last eight months. You, what needed to be done was in your heart, mother. What needed to be done was in your heart, wife. I'm not going to change the fact that it's going to break my heart, but listen, I can't do anything about it now. All I can do is shrug my shoulders and turn around and walk off and say, I tried my dead level best. Let me just pause for a second here for just a second since we're here. You've already burned your lasagna. Just stick with me, okay? Since, since we're here, of course, I just forgot what I was going to say, but listen, it's, just, it's foolishness. It's just foolishness. Foolishness. You're not... Listen, I know what I was going to say. Let me say this. I know I've been on this subject before. And maybe the manner in which it was presented was probably not with an ideal presentation of charity in my heart. I know that. 
But that doesn't change the fact that the truth has been put out there. What you did with it is up to you. But God's going to hold that stuff. God's going to hold you accountable for that stuff. You had the warning. You had the warning. And I, I hope you took advantage of it. I hope you took the, I hope you took the warning. Psalms 33. I'm going to try and speed this up a little bit because I know you're hungry. I am too. But I love the Bible. I love looking at the Scripture. Listen, the uh, Bible says I've esteemed the words of His mouth more than my necessary food. If you get a hold of biblical principles, God would help you. God would help you more than uh, a steak dinner would help you. Of course, I wouldn't mind a steak dinner right now. Mark that down, okay? All right. Psalm 37, look at this thing of meekness. Psalm 37, verse 9. For evildoers, Psalm 37, verse 9, still hear some pages turning. For evildoers shall be cut off, but they, those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. You see that? Those that wait on the Lord, they're going to inherit the earth. Verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth. You know who the meek people are? It's the people that wait on the Lord. Not very hard to see that. The meek in verse 9, or verse 11, they're the ones that inherit the earth. In verse 9, it's the people that wait on the Lord. So the meek people have to be the people that wait on the Lord. Just going to trust God. Just going to trust the Lord. I'm going to trust God. Hey, I've done everything that I know to do, everything that's right. Now I'm going to put it in the hands of God and just trust God to do what He's going to do. You know what? A preacher's got to get to that place with his church members. Boy, one of the banes of church of pastors is you preach and people don't respond how you think that they should respond, which people are responding. You just don't always see it. And people don't respond how you think that they should respond, and so you get up here and you get frustrated. And then you start venting, and then you start fussing. And so then what you have is you have a series of sermons in a row to where all you've done is just fussed at people. You say, what's the problem? You're not trusting the Lord. You're not waiting. You don't have to have all of those results right now. Hey, Mama, do you have to have all of those results right now? Or can you just wait on God? Just give God some time. Just give Him a chance. Give Him a chance to work. Wait on the Lord. You're dealing with a boneheaded husband? We're all boneheaded at one time or another. Just give Him a chance to work. Give him a chance to work. Listen, God values this attitude more than he values anything. He values that meek and quiet spirit, that spirit that's undisturbed, unruffled in the midst of provocation. God values that. Listen, listen, have you adorned yourselves with that, ladies, more than you've adorned yourself with your bronzer? Have you adorned yourself with that stuff more than you've adorned yourself with your lipstick and your mascara? That's the thing that makes you a beautiful woman. It's not having a Coke bottle figure. I don't know of any husband that would complain about that, but he could put up with a two-liter figure, so to speak, if you had that meek and quiet spirit. And listen, it's not that he'd put up with it. He'd probably still delight in you. Ladies, let me ask you, am I wrong? You know I'm right. You know I'm right. It's just common sense once you think about it. Makes sense. What fellow would want to be around a woman that's fussing all the time? 
They trusted in God. For after this time and old time, for after this manner and old time, there's the old time way. That's where I want to go. You say, where is it at? It's in the holy women also who trusted in God. They adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. That's that adorning. That's the ornament. It's the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Here's my husband. He doesn't have it all together, but I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to subject myself to him the same way that Jesus Christ subjected himself to the will of his Father. I'm going to subject myself to him and then give God a chance to work on my husband. You know what? That fella will fall in love with you. He'll fall in love with you. You say, why? Because he ain't going to find that nowhere else. I get mad get mad at my wife. Man, I, I'm not leaving her, even if I am mad at her. I'm not leaving her. I just about got her trained. If I left her, I'd have to find another woman and retrain her all over again. If my wife dies before I do, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't want to commit suicide. I ain't interested in it. But boy, I'd be tempted... I got my wife trained. I, I, I don't want to remarry. Listen, you ladies, you take an attitude of just subjecting yourself to your husband and then giving God a chance to work on him. Buddy, that'll, that'll endear that fella to you so much more. So much more. Amen. Lord, we thank you, God, for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for your mercy. God, throughout this sermon, Lord, I am reminded of Abigail having dealt with Nabal. Uh, God, Lord, just the... the the, just the weak-minded, the peevish fellow that he was and how that gal, God basically tried to go in and just cover his tracks and intercede for him behind his back. Lord, he had no idea of the impending judgment that was coming from David and she got out there and stood in front of David and said, please be merciful to my husband. What a woman. God, what a woman. One of the most pretty women. Never laid eyes on her. But God, I, 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 would, I would dare say that that's one of the prettiest women that I, women that I've ever seen in the scripture. Lord, I pray. I pray you help our ladies. God, I thank you for each and every one of them, God, that are in this church. Lord, whether they be here or whether they're not, pray that you help them, God, and touch them, Lord. Help them to draw close to you. God, bless them, Lord. Some of them deal, Lord, Lord even I myself, God, my wife, deals with an idiot of a husband at times, God. Lord, help them. God, help them, Lord. Not an easy road to hoe. But, God, it's something, Lord, that if, if, if they do right, God, Lord, I believe with all my heart, God, you'd help them. Lord, I pray, pray that you'd bless them, God. Bless them this morning for being here. Bless those that are listening at home. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you.